Welcome to Recover Strong, a show that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. I'm Jessica Flint, founder of Recovery Warriors, and you are listening to our podcast channel created specifically for you in all the stages and phases of recovery. I want to celebrate you for carving out this special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. I'm your host, Andrea Wells. And just like you, I understand what it's like to live with an eating disorder and be held back by body image struggles. The recovery journey is ongoing, and we're all in it together as we learn to embrace new behaviors and new thoughts day by day. Join me as I connect with eating disorder experts and thought leaders to give you the tools, resources, and strategies you need to recover strong. Today, we have fellow recovery warrior and body liberation advocate Nia Patterson back with us to answer a burning recovery question from our community of warriors. But before we get into this Q&A, I want to take a moment to talk body. If negative body image has been holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, please know that you are not alone. And this is why here at Recovery Warriors, we created Beyond Body, a six-month body image accelerator program that provides the guidance, structure, practices, and support that you need to make peace with negative body image, self-esteem, and the aging process. With this program, you can vastly improve the intimacy of your relationships, have more confidence in your career, and achieve overall health with weekly deep-dive discussion calls, a learning curriculum, creative workshops, accountability, and coaching. Body image can be improved with the right approach, skills, and support. So go to recoverywarriors.com to request an invite to apply to Beyond Body. This is a very personal experience. Jessica Flint is curating a small, intentional group of women in their late 30s, 40s, and 50s to do this life-changing work with. Interviews start in February, so get your application in early. Go to recoverywarriors.com slash beyond to request an invite to apply. Now let's get into this Q&A with Nia Patterson. Today, I'm joined by eating disorder survivor and mental health advocate, Nia Patterson. Nia was on the show with us last week, and now they are back to answer a burning recovery question from our audience of warriors. You may know Nia as the friend I never wanted online, where they share messages about eating disorder recovery, body liberation, fat activism, body acceptance, and more. And this past November 2023, Nia released their first book titled What's the Story? A guided walkthrough of the stories you tell yourself about your body. And today's question comes from a member of our Courage Club, Katie. And Katie asks, I've often felt that my ED behaviors aren't that bad, and my family has always dismissed my ED due to my body size. I know the anxiety I feel around eating and the way my brain punishes me isn't a way that I want to live anymore, but I often feel like it's okay for me to restrict a little because I'm in a larger body. And I have that feeling of not being sick enough to deserve support. What do you do when you feel like your ED is not bad enough and not deserving of support or the time of others? Take it away, Nia. Thank you so much for that question, Katie. I have been in a similar situation. 
many times in recovery. As I said in last week's episode, when I got when I went to treatment for my eating disorder, it was due 110% due to myself and no one else. And I really had to get to a point where I was like, yeah, I am I am sick enough. I have come far enough in my eating disorder that I am deserving of care. And you know, it's it's hard when your eating disorder is telling you like you could be sicker, you could be thinner, you could be having more behaviors, you could be doing all this stuff. And when you think about it, eating disorders are the only disorder, the only disease, the only mental health d- disorder issue where there's like a race to the bottom. Um, it's the only one where you are actively competing against other people with the same disorder to make yourself sicker. Not depression, not cancer, not uh, gallbladder disease, not kidney stones. Like no one is trying to be sicker with any of these things, but eating disorders, you are actively trying to get sicker and you are telling yourself that you are not worthy of care. If you broke your leg, would you be like, well, I didn't break it fully. So like, don't give me the cast yet. I'm going to go continue to break my leg. You would never, you would never. And so the question is, are you in pain? Are you, and that doesn't have to be physical pain. That can be mental anguish or, you know, just, are you unhappy? Like, do you want your life to be different? Do you wish that like it sucked a little less? Because if you wish that your life sucked a little less, you are deserving of care. And that is me saying that to you, if you cannot hear it from yourself, but I'm guessing if you have asked this question, there's part of you in there, that recovery self, that healthy self that, and I hate the word healthy, but like that part of you that is like rooting for Katie that wants you to know that your life sucks enough that like you are deserving of care. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, that as in like you are hurting enough that you are deserving of care. And I personally get so annoyed when anyone says like, you're not thin enough or small enough to like, and I mean, outside of yourself, like says to you, like, you're not deserving of care. You don't need that care. You don't need help because you wouldn't do that to anyone else. It's just the way that society sees eating disorders. So in my opinion, knowing only this paragraph that you've written and nothing about you other than how you have described yourself, I have full, full confidence that you would probably feel a lot better if you got some form of care. And I hope that you do. I want to think about what Katie said when she shared that she often feels like it's okay to restrict a little bit because she's in a larger body. Can you explain why restricting is harmful, even if you are in a larger body? I mean, restricting is harmful point blank. Restricting is harmful, like physically harms your body, your brain, all like the tissues in your body, like on a chemical, like. I went to college for biochemistry. Like on a chemical level, you are harming your body and your brain, regardless of what size your body is. I know that like there is false information about like if you do it this, like there there is no like if you do it this way, it's okay. Like if you are depriving your body of food and the nutrients it needs, you are harming your body, period. And so like I have to say that first. As someone who fully went into treatment thinking that I was going there to lose weight, I hear you like so deeply because in my mind, I was like, I am going to lose weight. I'm going to be in a smaller body. That is what recovery means. 
for me, there was so much that I saw online and on social media. I don't know if that's still on social media today. This was like obviously years ago that led me to believe that I needed to like what I called quote unquote recovering down or like, like, um, what did I, like weight restoring down is what I called it. And, and so like, that's what I called it. I don't know if that's a real thing or if I made it up, but like, I think that's a Nia original, but it, it works. It might be. <laughs> um, I have made up many words in my life, but I was like, I need to restore down. I need to like lose weight and like get to a smaller weight size. Like, no, 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 no. That was pure, pure poppycock. I love that I just used that word. Uh, (laughs) Like, no, 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 no. That was not real. Like, I was actively trying to continue my eating disorder in the name of recovery because eating disorders will do whatever, whatever they can to win. And so, like, gave me, like, all these, like, little, like, like doors to open to try and, like, lose weight. The eating disorder was still like, hey, I'm still here. Um, Like, like was like, hey, you could lose weight and it would be recovery. And I was like, yeah. And then my therapist would be like, no. <laughs> I still remember like the day that like I realized acted like physically actively realized you're not gonna lose weight in recovery. I was sitting outside treatment at a table with my therapist, watching her cross her legs, and I was like, that's not my reality. That, and I was pissed. I was pissed. I was like, I am here. I am paying money. I am supposed to be losing weight. No, my eating disorder was pissed. I was like, damn. And, you know, all these years later, I'm so glad that my therapist put up with me telling her that I was going to weight restore down and did not give up on me. But like, gosh, like the wildness that was my my brain and my eating disorder was so loud. Like, yeah. Sounds like your therapist had a lot of patience with you, which is Oh my gosh, amazing. love her. Love her. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to California. It's like, <laughs> it's so common, I think, for people, especially in larger bodies, to feel like, oh, part of recovery for me, because I'm fat, is I have to lose weight. But that's not the case. And it can be a very rude awakening <laughs> as you have... Ugh expressed i was so mad when you can truly let go of the idea that uh, you need to lose weight to recover i mean those things are really like they're opposite you can't pursue recovery and weight loss at the same time it's they're the opposite of each other it's a paradox it's an oxymoron like it doesn't it doesn't work and i and i I feel for you katie that's hard (laughs) to accept yes and i think further than that like even i also remember the time when i realized that not only was i not this was actually years later that i may have to gain weight in recovery and that was absolutely scary at the time for me and i remember being like if if i have to gain weight i don't want it and then remember in the same breath being like okay, fine, screw it, just do it. And I'm not, I'm like, not going to worry about it. If I gain weight, I gain weight, but I will be happier. I will be fed. I will be like nourished. I, my brain will work. Like I, I was, I was like looking for someone to tell me like, you don't need to, you don't need to gain weight to recover. Like you're fine. You'll stay exactly like the points in my recovery where I was just looking for someone to validate my eating disorder were so present 
because the alternative, the reality of like living in my body and being fat or getting fatter or any of that was so scary. It was so scary because I knew because internalized fat phobia and outright fat phobia, I knew what it could look like in this world. And I am happy to say that I was incorrect, that actually, actually like the world, this sounds so bad. The world did not suck as bad as I thought it was going to suck. Like my brain, my eating disorder had made it seem so much scarier than it truly was. I had written a horror movie in my head. And like, in reality, being fat was not a death sentence or like a a terror sentence or like it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Like I still living a happy life. They, they still give me cats and dogs and people love me. And, you know, I still get to eat food. I remember thinking like I wouldn't get to eat pizza again because I was going to have to pursue weight loss. Like, do you know how sad that is to live a life where you never get pizza again? Like <laughs> life is so much better just like living in recovery, even if like upfront cost feels really freaking terrifying to jump over that like ledge. And it, yeah, it is like kind of like a, a boogeyman in the closet. It seems a lot scarier than it is. Like your eating disorder tells you, oh, if I pursue recovery or accept that it's okay to gain weight, like everything's going to be awful. My life's going to be awful. But you open the light on that boogeyman and it's not so scary after all. It's just, you know, someone wearing a sheet in the closet. Like it's not. Oh my gosh, it's It's (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yes, it's (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Brilliant. (laughs) So in what ways do you think that eating disorder treatment should differ or not differ depending on the size of your body? Mm. I mean, I feel like everyone should have access to like body liberation practices and understanding. I feel like everyone should have access to um, learning how to like nourish your body and be, I don't like the word required to nourish your body, but like there should be guidelines of like, this is like, this is how we like, we can eat. This is like, what is like a good amount to eat, but also that's not accessible to everyone. Um, so like, this is me talking about like formal treatment in that regard. And then also if you're in formal treatment, something that would have been really helpful for me, I think, I don't know if, if I would have been accepting of it in 2017, but I think it would have been helpful is like affinity fat groups and like also like affinity gender groups and like race groups, but like having affinity groups of people with that marginalized identity to talk about the realities of your eating disorder in regards to that identity would be really helpful because I sat in so many groups thinking these, these straight size thin people don't get what I'm going through. Um, These white people don't get what I'm going through. I did not know that I was non-binary at that point. So I was just like, I am a straight little girl and I was not, but it's fine. Um, But like, I think, knowing the work that I've done now, like knowing how effective affinity groups are and like sitting in on and like auditing affinity groups of people's like treatment programs and seeing like how helpful they are for people in those marginalized identities. Yeah. That would be amazing. I love that. Like so many dietitians and therapists are like hosting like, like virtual support groups for people in fat bodies. I love that that's a thing and that that's accessible, more accessible to people now because that was not accessible when I was 
I was going to say growing up, also growing up, but we're always growing up in treatment. And so, yeah, I know. Right. So like, I think that would be something that should be accessible to people in marginalized bodies. I don't think that it necessarily doesn't need to exist for people in smaller bodies. I just think that it would be extra, super duper helpful, helpful for people in marginalized bodies. What is an affinity group? It's just like a group of people with that marginalization. So like, obviously with like fatness, there are different sizes of fat. So like, that's a little wonky, but like the way that I've seen it done, like the facilitators will read off like questions, like, like, do you have the ability to shop in the mall and find clothes that fit your body easily? If you do join this group, if you don't join this group or like self-select this way, I don't know if you've been to formal treatment, but like they put you in a lot of like therapy groups throughout the day. So like we had like nutrition group and we had like trauma group and we had like all these different little groups throughout the day that like we sat in for group therapy. And if one of those groups throughout the day was like an affinity group where fat people talk about being fat, that would have been really helpful, probably more helpful than like nutrition group or therapy group but like regular therapy group it's just like a process group for people with that marginalization okay okay thank you for clarifying it and as we end this off let's send katie off with some advice here about how someone in a larger body can advocate for themselves to receive eating disorder care oh okay so there are different nonprofits that specifically work with like making treatment more accessible. And so that is like one option if like treatments inaccessible to you financially. Can you name some? Yeah. So like project heal has like the healer circle where they will help fund your treatment to specific treatment centers that they see people within. And my, my normal recommendation is body reborn. If you are a BIPOC person, But now Body Reborn and Project Heal have actually merged together as of the beginning of this year. So they will be bringing these affinity community groups to Project Heal's forefront. So really go to Project Heal's website and check out their resources. That's a major recommendation. Also, the Alliance has a really great helpline for if you want support from staffed therapists. That is great as well. Is that free to call? That is free to call. So now if you call the old eating disorder helpline number, or if you go on the Alliance's website and find their helpline number, you can call, get support like you would have previously with the other numbers. Uh, But yeah, so that's a really great option as well. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I, I guess the thing that like I want to say in terms of like advocating for yourself is getting really clear on what you feel you are worthy of and like spoiler alert you're worthy of everything you probably don't think you are worthy of right now so you're worthy of equitable care you're worthy of not being weighed if you don't want to be you're worthy of having blind weights if they like refuse to not weigh you or if they refuse to not not weigh you anyways you are worthy of care that helps you in regards to any sort of neurodivergence or gender or race any of that regard so like if you sit down you're like 
I want to go to treatment in my state and I want to be able to tell them that as a fat person, these are my needs, writing them down so that you're able to communicate them and advocate for yourself is super, super helpful, especially because for some people, it can be easy to kind of like swallow our words and not like speak up for ourselves. And I find for me, if I write it down and sometimes literally read it, I'm able to better advocate for myself. And so just knowing your rights, knowing what people can, can't require, and they cannot require that you be weighed is super helpful. Very helpful advice. Thank you for sharing that, Nia. And thank you for all your insights on Katie's burning question. I know that you're going to help her and anyone else who relates to Katie with everything that you shared. Thank you so much for being here. It's such an honor to have you. Thank you for having me. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior.